All right. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Speed Change Repeat podcast today with Dirk Ramhorst, um, who is the Chief Digital Officer at uh, Waka Chemie. So uh, thank you very much for being here on the show, Dirk. Thanks for inviting. Um, so you are the Chief Digital Officer of a fairly large organization with um, over 5 billion in revenue. Um, and there's a lot that you can tell us about digital transformation and about what it means to basically lead uh, such a large, large organization through its digital transformation. But uh, we always start the same way. So I, I first want to start by giving you the opportunity to kind of tell us where uh, who you are, so where you come from, kind of like give us an introduction into your professional background. Okay. Yeah, thanks uh, again for the invite. Uh, my name is Dirk Ramos, and I'm not only the CDO, but also the CIO <laughs> of Waka Kimi, um, which means I run the traditional IT shop as well as the digital transformation, uh, which in my experience is an ideal combination. What is my background? I have a degree in software engineering, um, and I have a degree in business administration. That uh, means that uh, for more than almost, meanwhile, 25 years, it is uh, part of my DNA, so to speak, to stand on two legs. On the one hand side, really be business focused by my um, uh, MBA, business administration, and of course, understanding the value and the power of IT in this combination. And therefore, I'm as a kind of red line in my, my CV, you would find that in many situations I've never had a predecessor because sometimes or many times I had developed a role that then became a professional role and then afterwards it was part of, of the organization's DNA. So, for example, about 20 years ago I was Chief Knowledge Officer in Siemens, uh, which was also following a certain hype of knowledge management at that point of time. And then, of course, in 2013 already, I became the first CDO in the German top listed public companies, which is the DAX. And I was CDO as part of my time in BASF. And, and therefore, the topic of data, the topic of information is something that is part of my DNA since I started working in the IT space. Yeah, so uh, that is definitely a lot of experience that, that you have or that you bring to the table there. So let's kind of focus on your, or let's let's kind of, what is the biggest learning that you, I mean, you say you were the first digital officer at a, a publicly traded company in Germany. So let's say, what is your, or how did you approach basically in, in this role? So if, if you were the first one basically for a publicly traded company, there was not really, as you said, there's not really a predecessor for that. So there's not really a benchmark that you have. So how did you then yeah. basically approach that? I mean, compared to today, the, the situation seven years ago was a totally different one. At that point of time, digitalization was a kind of upcoming topic. So there was very much um, uh, focus on the discussion why digitalization is of any importance. Today, it is very much about making things happen. Um, so therefore, uh, within the, the period of the seven years, being a CDO and meanwhile two companies, um, there's a massive change in the orientation. Um, so it's much more, uh, let's say, execution oriented these days compared to much more business model or business case orientation um, in the past. It was even much more groundwork to explain what could it be? What is artificial intelligence? Uh, and many of those 
today examples on hand have been very theoretical examples in the past. So it was a different rule, but therefore out of this different rule, I would call myself a pioneer of the transformation of, I mean, the digital transformation in large enterprises. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting, um, interesting thought on there. Uh, what I what I also think always about this uh, the role chief digital officer I think within the last years especially in Europe I mean kind of you know a little bit later after the US there was a really um, kind of a glorification actually about digitization and everything related to digital right so it's kind of like everybody that wants to do something cool within a large organization you know uh, has to do something with digital. And in the beginning, and I think that is shifting very much right now because that's exactly what you say. It's it's really actually about the operations, so actually changing something, right? And it's not really about the sexy like finding business, finding a sexy business model whatsoever. You know that yes, that is also a part, but it's really you know having these large traditional organizations, you know that have a business model or a traditional where their traditional business model is not really that affected by anything related to digital or that they need to, you know, need to kind of, you know, change that fast in the past. But now, you know, because technology is having such a large impact, there's a, a lot more factors. Change has to, uh, is coming way, way faster. The same goes, for example, in IT, that, that is where the start actually is. And, and those projects are really not that easy, right? And sometimes they're also not really that sexy, to be honest, right? Is whether, for example, would you argue that a merger, for example, from uh, an old ERP system to a new, more type of high, um, infrastructure, for example, is, is really that of a, you know, a sexy, sexy job to do, right? I mean, what, what is important to understand, and you mentioned this kind of inflation of digitalization as a term. So if, if you want to do something kind of sexy, like you said, then you have to be in the digital area. I think the same was in, in, in 20 years ago, it was 20 years ago in the area of knowledge management. Um, still today you do knowledge management, but you do not use this term anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, any anybody of us is, is um, member of a community. Um, it's, right. it's quite normal that you look for kind of yellow pages as a function, not as a tool, etc., etc. Um, to uh, conclude a project with a debriefing is, is standard process. Um, and I think many of those aspects in the given time was because you have to pay a certain attention. You have to learn to do something different. So besides all the tools, um, besides all enablement by sexy or not so sexy project, it is about the transformational aspects. And, and, and even we talk about artificial intelligence, there's not too much artificial in this intelligence because there's more human intelligence that plays an important role in this transformation. And this is, this is very important to consider what is the role of, for example, the employee? What is the role of the IT staff? What is the role of the, the customer as a person? Uh, because you still sell something to persons, and uh, even in B2B you do so. And uh, I, I think this is this is very important, and, and many also even state-of-the-art methodologies like design thinking use the concept of personas. So they take certain personas as roles into consideration to say, okay, what is this person about, and what is his or her problem which I want to solve? And this is, this is key. I think from from a, from a phase of digitalization where you played around and you used this tool and another tool and it was very fancy and it was very hype, it 
nowadays, also with the given economic circumstances, um, either directly within certain businesses or now led by Corona, it is, is something that has to contribute to um, savings. It has to contribute to a certain change in setup. And uh, for sure, many uh, of the people watching our um, uh, and listening to what we're saying here have heard about this, this joke of who led the digital transformation um, in, in the recent months. It was either the CDO, the CTO, or it was COVID. Yeah, and, and uh, so the, the given situation, for example, regarding um, working from home, if you have a, a desk, and usually in the office, is something that is enabled by those things which in the past, for example, in, in, in my context, we discussed as something we call digital workplace. Mm -hmm. And the digital workplace now is paying off in the way that within days, we were able to send a couple of thousand people into home office environment, it, and it worked very well. Mm. And um, so, and this is definitely something as part of this transformation that now people move to a different, I mean, this is what, new term is the new what is the new normal and, mm -hmm. and this new normal is very much digitalized compared to a setup where it was uh, expected to be five days a week in the office at least in very traditional businesses mm -hmm. and so i think here you can see a lot of changes in terms of perspective what is digitalization and what is the contribution of digitalization towards um, a transformed or changed business environment 100% I 100% agree with you that is it, it basically it especially and now you because you're mentioning corona I think it perfectly has shown again what a digital transformation actually means which is the like adapt adapting to change right how well yeah. how, how well can an organization adapt to change right how well is an organization that exactly how you said it, before the norm was working five days a week everybody was working five days a week from from the office right and the infrastructure in order to have uh, from one day to the other having let's say 800 or thousand people switching to home office right uh, wasn't there or wasn't capable so how fast can this organization then basically switch and make and it, it again it's not only the capability the technical capability it's also the mindset exactly exactly i mean 100%, yeah. yeah so a lot of i mean the technology was in place either already deployed on the on the devices um bandwidth was in place uh, for example in our case we haven't had any bandwidth so it was everything was in place mm -hmm. but when, when talking to people, you had a lot of people um, that told you, I mean, this is kind of German way of thinking. First of all, why things are not working. Right. And now with the given circumstances where the office has been closed, people have been kind of pushed beyond the border of, oh, it's working. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it was possible to make a quarterly reporting out of home office. We just went live with S4HANA Hmm. totally out of home office with functional testing and integration testing done from remotely. So something that was you were not able to imagine has become reality by digitalization enabled. And this is very important to understand. And this is something, I mean, based on my studies, I uh, studied innovation management and there's this uh, concept of S curves. And the S curves describe a certain technology that then comes to an end. And now, with the given circumstances, people have been pushed to another S-curve. Right. And, and this really opens um, new horizons for those people in order to imagine uh, different ways of working. And do we still need an office desk for everybody? I don't know. 
but I would doubt about this. So therefore, this is, this is important to understand. And if you now look into other technology enablers, like artificial intelligence, like process uh, or robotics and process automation, like uh, IoT, etc., you find many, many other use cases that will, or yeah, that will benefit from those technologies in the same way. Like people have now benefited, or corporations have benefited from the capability of work from remotely, uh, or from home, or from mobile in, in general. In the same way, we had uh, seen this in this Corona crisis till now. Yeah. You know, what I find interesting is I always like for a traditional company or let's say a traditional corporation of this size, I always wonder what was the trigger inside the organization to come to the decision we have to we have to do more or we have to even like going this far as, you know, establishing uh, a role such as the chief digital officer. Right. There, there always has to be some sort of you know, some sort of event or maybe even a series event or like a realization that is happening within, within let's say, within the executive room, right? Because otherwise there, there won't be this, like, there won't be this shift in mind or this realization that we need to do something. I think, I mean, nowadays it is about the common understanding of the importance of digitization. Mm -hmm. And this is because of existing use cases. This is because of the understanding of data as a competitive advantage. For example, in, in Vaca, when we started in the beginning, we called our digital initiative, or we, we explained digitalization by using the term of data-driven innovation. So whatever we do in our um, digitalization program is very much keen on understanding the value of data. So for example, for all over um, the different business units and regions, etc., we have developed data strategies in order to understand what are the data we have already. The process industry is very data rich, but traditionally the data is used, for example, in the control room to sh indicate the operator that something is wrong mm -hmm. in the moment it occurs. If you take the historical data that was collected over years, maybe also over decades already, and you correlate data, and you take this even correlation between different systems or inside the corporation and outside corporation data, and suddenly you were able to predict behaviors. I mean, one of these most massive and even most beneficial use cases in production is the case of predictive maintenance. Mm -hmm. So instead of using the data just to show you something is wrong, use the data in order to indicate you um, that it something will be wrong soon. And and this is this is something that, in my understanding, is one of the most important triggers in order to start digitalization programs in corporations like Vaca, uh, compared to this early pioneer role that I had uh, seven years ago. And it was more uh, understanding it. Um, this is really much in line with what I said earlier. It's now about execution and understanding and generating value versus in general understanding what is what might at that point of time digitalization about. Mm -hmm. You know what I also find very interesting is in the in, in in an organization that is really a scientific or let's say is very scientific at its at its heart, right, or at its core, <laughs> such as I mean Vucker or BASF, for example. I, I also talked to, for example, to the uh, head of AI from Merck, or so who is leading the activities at Merck for, um, 
for artificial intelligence and also um, two guys at Evonik, for example. So these companies that have really, uh, really strong scientific core, right? Data always played a big role within inside these organizations, right? So now, like, I mean, oh, because I mean, if, uh, especially also in terms of the, the knowledge, right? So with uh, a lot of organizations that are not really that scientifically at its core, there are, that has also obviously something to do with knowledge, right? So we don't really have the right people or we need to hire more people, whatever, right? But for a, a company such as like Wacker, for example, it is it's really, um, the, the knowledge is inside the company, right? It's more or less, again, a mindset topic. And also I think in most cases, the same as you said, for example, there's not really much artificial in artificial intelligence, right? It's so, therefore it's, it's really about, again, mindset and, and, and like kind of like also choosing having a focus on the right activities to pursue, right? I mean, this is anyway a topic, if you say focus on the right activities, I mean, you have many more ideas that you can realize. So you have to funnel the ideas to those uh, that you can realize. And what is very important, again, idea as part of a transformation, to use those ideas that you can implement also to be a kind of lighthouse for your bigger picture you want to generate. Because especially in, in, let's say, this German uh, cultural context, you will have a lot of discussions why things might not work. And when you talk about transformation, you have to make sure that people realize the benefit. And you have to answer one question um, for each and every employee, which is the topic of what's in for me. So why he or she should buy in this project and what is the impact to her or him in order to make sure um, you have supporters in the organization. And here, what we really have invested in was this kind of lighthouse projects. And for us, for example, it was very clear that we do not want to build up a so-called digital unit. So having legacy organization and then having the speedboat of a, of a digital unit, because many of those examples that I have analyzed and watched showed me that it was very difficult for those organizations that have chosen this um, digital unit to bring this digital unit and the results of the digital unit and scale it back to the large organization. Yeah. Um, many of those examples have failed. And we decided not to have a digital unit. Uh, we decided to, to build up a program. And this program, uh, the role of the program was to work as a catalyst. Mm -hmm. As catalyst and, and the chemical industry is easy to understand and for those not with this scientific background the catalyst is a is, is an, let's say a kind of source of energy that helps to bring an existing process to another level of energy and if this is sustainable then you can revoke the catalyst and the process that you have moved up is still stable on this new level and this is this is was our role so it was very much about we had some central budget in order to get things started. But in the moment we showcase the value and the benefit, the corresponding business unit or central unit or region took it over in their accounts mm -hmm. um, and on their budget. So it was not like we kept it alive just because we pushed money in. No, it was about to get it started. And then uh, people have to take it over in the line function. And this was very important. And it, I would call us also very successful mm -hmm. uh, because now in the uh, almost at the end of the third year, uh, the program is full speed up and running. And even in these times where budget challenged at least or even cut, um, we, we have no 
reason to argue why we should do this because we, we really have showcased the benefit and the value of what we do and, and uh, of course we, we are not ideating too many new things at the moment because of budget uh, limitations but um, we're still focusing um, on execution those things we had on hand. Mm -hmm. you, you compared basically having a digital speedboat to let's say um, which is also very common with uh, a lot of organizations that the first thing they do is they they basically uh, create this uh, this unit with uh, digital natives and then say and then give them the freedom to just uh, go ahead with the speed that they uh, that they then naturally have uh, compared to basically the approach that you went with through uh, with the lighthouse projects and um, yeah. uh, the question that that I have is do you believe that there is an individual strategy for each organization in that sense or do you believe because that that is where i bring in my my own opinion is that uh, ultimately digital transformation is about people right it's about uh, cha changing behavior changing uh, changing the mindset g getting people out of the comfort zone to do new things right which is hard for people yeah. people don't like to leave their comfort zone do you so do you believe that there's an individual strategy for each organization depending maybe on the industry the size whatever that is or ultimately because people are all the same naturally in, in the sense of uh, changing their um, their behavior there is not really that many options in the sense and there maybe is you know certain things where you can just like if you observe them and you implement them it's kind of like a kind of like a one size fits all strategy and then maybe for each organization there's these small things that you can fine tune you know depending on what, okay, what that would, is. yeah no i personally believe there's no one size fits all i think this is very important there's no general pattern that you can apply for all organizations in whatever process industry discrete manufacturing financial services uh, touristic industry whatever no it's not um so first of all because of the industry second because of uh, what sh shapes an organization culture is the mixture of people within the organization mm -hmm. um, and, and therefore um, there's no one size fits all what is there is maybe there's a common set of criteria that you can apply and, and by different answers to the different criteria you have then a, a mixture I mean if you if you have a, a, a cookbook I mean in principle you have many ingredients for all different recipes in place that are the same but by a different mixture of the different ingredients you get different dishes mm -hmm. and so therefore digitalization is i mean digital transformation is like a cookbook and it has many different ingredients but uh, the result the, the menu the, the the dishes that you cook then in the different scenarios are, are different and this is I think this is the importance to understand. Um, um, I mean, you can maybe to a certain degree understand and apply best practices, but even best practices, and, and they, they are proven, they have a proven track record, might be not applicable in your content because some of the ingredients is missing. Or you are in, in, in taking this analogy, you cook something and a person has an, an analogy against this ingredient. So you can't apply this. So I think this is very important. And, and one very dominating factor is, is also really the organizational culture. To which degree the culture is open to a change in general or specifically open for new technologies to be applied. 
And here, uh, I mean, you, you referred earlier to the scientific uh, orientation of industry uh, of the industry we're working in, but even here, um, you have you have a certain complexity. For example, if I look into certain processes in production, uh, in, in one case I have in mind, they have up to fourteen thousand parameters that could influence the quality of the product that is produced. What is the scientific orientation is that you, you do experiments by changing certain parameter, you, you, you change it, you watch the results, if something is happening, then you try to stabilize the process in the way, uh, but imagine 14,000 parameter, you can't do it sequentially. So here, te digital technology, like high performance computing or artificial intelligence come into the game because before you do something in, in a physical or chemical experiment, you can do it based on simulation virtually before, and then you can only prove what it have been your result in the, in the virtual world later on in the physical world. Yeah. Um, and this helps you, for example, as a KPI in order to measure impact, this helps you to have a totally different type to market of, of products. And uh, again, what is happening around us, COVID, uh, or Corona, in other words, um, uh, many of those time to markets of uh, potential uh, drugs that will help uh, to build up a resistance are not only let's say in physical experiments built, but also in, in, in digital simulations. Uh, and maybe maybe this is the groundbreaking technology nowadays in order to to have an, um, med uh, a, a drug uh, not within years, but within months. Uh, and this might even rescue the world, so to speak. Right, right, right. Let, let's talk about because we st somehow started with that. Is uh, briefly mentioned that is uh, the the business the business model business model innovation, or let's say kind of like looking for a new business business models. Yep. So, for for uh, let's say for a company like Wacker, what is on the future outlook for this type of company? I mean, compared to the past, you know where it's where it's where it's coming from, compared to the traditional business how it is earning money now uh, compared to what the future outlook is in regards to obviously the the new technologies uh, the access to the new technologies that we have nowadays and the computing I mean, power um, this is true for, for anybody that is producing physical or in this case chemical uh, material or goods um, this is our core competence the question is how can we use new business models in the way of of ads for example, services to the physical products that we produce. Um, um, I mean, we, we cannot just simply sell ideas in, in terms of getting uh, rich of our products. No, no, it's whatever we do in this sense is more or less built on the chemical products that we produce and providing maybe a better set of services towards our customer um, and not only the pure volume or the, the a pure package of our product. This is this is a, a differentiating factor. And what we have done, and going back again to the digital transformation, almost a year ago, uh, we invited all Parker employees to apply for something we called Silicon Valley Challenge. So out of the fourteen half thousand people, we had uh, almost four hundred applicants that um, followed our invitation to express how they want to motivate us to to take them. Uh, so there was not a structured template to fill out and say, I would like to apply. Um, so the, the, the simply um, invite was inspire us. 
So we received almost 370 video of, of a couple of minutes each. So imagine we spent days in front of the TV set and watched all the, or PC, and watched all the videos of people applying for the Silicon Valley challenge. And we have selected 19 out of um, uh, the, uh, the large number of applicants from all over the world, from China, from Korea, from um, Thailand, from Singapore, from Germany, from Brazil, from Sweden, from the US. Very heterogeneous uh, and diverse group. And, and those people spent uh, four weeks in Silicon Valley um, uh, working in the WeWork space, uh, living in R&B spaces, meeting startups all over uh, the day. And um, they learned uh, more or less by doing, uh, they learned to develop new business models. And uh, this, is, this was part of a kind of DNA refresh to our organization because while those 19 um, really had this intense learning experience and they came back out of a funnel of multiple hundreds of, of ideas, they came up with uh, four ideas out of which three are still in implementation mode now. Um, they have one product, one idea that is now patent because it's so important. Um, and. Uh, all the others that have applied went into um, a couple of day training. So we have now 400 people out of um, um, those 14,500 that really work as an, as an ambassador to the idea of changing business idea, thinking beyond the product, thinking beyond mm -hmm. the physical box of or whatever container of our product. And um, this is important. So again, it's part of the transformation. But it, it was very successful in terms of making, showing the difference and, and making um, the difference, let's say, accessible to people outside the program. And, um, but of course, we will not be able to just to simply ignore um, what are our strengths and our strengths are engineering, our strengths are R&D, and uh, of course, uh, the production of a chemical or physical product at the end. Yeah, uh, that is also very, um, very hard to replicate, right? It's really hard to, to replicate that, um, that knowledge, right, uh, for, for, for a company. So therefore, first of all, I must say the initiative is, is sounds really, really, really interesting. Um, and uh, I haven't, I haven't heard of something like that in a different organization. But um, uh, do you think like, because it's really, let's say it requires a, a really specific really specific type of knowledge and, and, and know-how basically for an organization. Do you think that that therefore these type of industries are very hard to disrupt? So like, for example, is a chemistry industry, for example, really hard to disrupt or a pharmaceutical, for example, depending because just simply looking at, let's say the, the, the other, the R and D basically that goes into producing new types of products. I think here you have a difference between pharmaceutical industry and the chemical industry. Um, okay. And uh, the, the, the difference is that uh, in pharmaceutical industry, um, you have a huge effort to spend into R&D before you come up with a product. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and you always have the risk of a failure. Um, that means you, you invest maybe billions um, of, of euro into a development of a new drug and then suddenly um, it comes to the point that you, you fail because the, the clinical experiment then shows uh, it, it's not showing the impact you want to make. 
Um, and here you, you see also in the statistic less and less companies that are willing to, to invest in this uh, business in this amount of money that is needed. And, and this is very critical because I think um, you find already a couple of serious um, diseases that uh, need new, new drugs, but nobody is really willing to invest in the development of those drugs. Um, so this, this is very critical um, because what, what else is there, uh, you can only then, whatever is a successful production, you can only protect um, uh, your result as an innovation for a couple of years. And, that, and afterwards, it becomes a, a generic hub. And, and then uh, people can copy it and you're no longer protected. So either you earn all your money in this protected period of time and you get your investment back or you, you, you will fail in, in, in bringing a product to the market. So this is pharmaceutical industry. In the chemical industry, uh, I mean, there haven't been a new chemical element being discovered in the last well, more than 60, 70 years, meanwhile. So the, the innovation in the chemical industry is very much about the formulation of what we already have on hand. And uh, here it's very important um, to make sure that you not become um, a, a kind of yeah, a commodity producer, mm -hmm. commodity in the way that only costs play an important role. Okay. Because if you're not innovative, if you're not an innovative leader or a thought leader in your corresponding industry, then, in my understanding, you could be easily copied by somebody else. Copied by somebody that is, uh, for example, by the factor costs in the, in the position to produce much cheaper, right. or it is um, um, somebody that is uh, in, in a different part of the world where the um, uh, environmental standards are not as high as in Germany, for example. This is, this is very critical. Um, and here you have to, to, to be the leader. Uh, could um, this kind of asset-rich environment, like in the process industry, disrupted by, by a startup? Um, yes. Imagine, I mean, hotel industry, these are just very traditional examples, hotel industry, taxi industry, which by the nature of the business have been very um, uh, data, uh, sorry, not data, but asset rich. And they have been uh, disrupted by Airbnb or Uber with a data rich industry, because at the end, um, the industry is not about the assets, it's about fulfilling a demand, uh, a demand of somebody that wants to travel from A to B, or demand of somebody who wants to sleep uh, in a very, let's say, convenient environment, um, a couple of nights or uh, stay a couple of days and um, so and i think here you could have a totally different setup also to the let's say process industry in general by somebody that is bridging uh, demand and supply just by a certain idea of a marketplace because at the end of the day or in the beginning at least uber or rbb has nothing been different than uh, a marketplaces uh, mm -hmm. of demand and supply yeah you and, you uh, and this is, this could be happen to all other industries as well. Um, therefore, we see the, the chemical industry a lot of activities regarding building up marketplaces okay. out of those players on the market, mm -hmm. but by the, or with the help of startups, 
but not in competition to a startup. Do you do you have because the thing is everybody is mentioning Uber and Airbnb and that's what you said the traditional example, right? Do you have an uh, do you have a good example uh, from the B two B space, like um, a company that is basically you know where where you would say okay this is a that this is a great initiative where you where you would say okay instead of mentioning it, the typical b2c story that uh, is always put on a digital transformation uh, powerpoint within within a large corporation right like do you have a because that is what we fail to see you know like you if you talk to a lot of people especially you know on this discussion about you know the position of europe and stuff like that you know it always it always comes down to okay um you know there is a lot of room in the b2b space but it's a completely different game so do you have like a, an example maybe in mind i think there are a couple of examples which work on certain services around the business. So it's not per se in, in uh, competition to a B2B business, but it's, it's providing a set of services. For example, um, there are certain industries in the B2B space that are very critical to supply chain. Okay. And um, without disclosing the name of the company, but um, imagine um, a manufacturer of uh, and even an OEM manufacturer of um, um, whatever smartphones that have really to make sure that on the day of the launch, the, these new smartphones are available in the shops. Yeah? So, I mean, in the moment, Apple is announcing a new phone. Um, two weeks later, the shops um, are filled with all these new devices. So, um, the, the supply chain in the background is very critical. And uh, I know one example in the B2B space where a company has developed its own control tower in order to track and, and make sure that the supply chain is running as planned. Um, they have developed this to the state of a product that they now also sell to other industries. Okay. And um, uh, this is for me a good example where you, you see this kind of development. Um, but um, uh, and in the B2B space, there are not, not too many um, examples on this level of maturity around, I would say. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. But that's a good example. Um, so because time is critical and we're also already are running uh, out of time, uh, I, I want to come down to basically, um, yeah, kind of the last question for today. So obviously, I mean, uh, you already mentioned it quite, quite, quite a lot. And we have to briefly kind of talk a little bit about that as well. It's definitely the current situation, uh, economic situation that we are globally in right now. From a from the perspective of a uh, let's say chief digital officer and um, also a person that obviously is you know also observing you know different different uh, companies you know maybe different ducks companies also um, or in general the the developments how do you see or what 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 do you see um, in terms of the future outlook things that will come in regards to the corona the corona time that we that we that we kind of lived through within the past months what are things that you observe, things that you believe will, you know, are, are caused by this that will happen or, you know, besides, for example, the, 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 the famous example that you already put out in terms of the biggest accelerator of digitization being Corona, like what are, yeah. what are further things? I mean, as I mentioned, I, I personally believe that you will not bring every employee back into the office for five days a week. Uh, I mean, the office still will play an important role, and I also personally believe 
the social contacts are very important and you can't do everything just by a video call. Um, so this, this will remain a topic for all companies to say, okay, I need to find a kind of hybrid model with mobile working established office-based working in, in place. Um, second part is, um, in general, a different perception on digital technologies. Um, because they have really helped society to a large degree in order to hopefully survive at the end, but at least to survive till now um, in, a, in a certain way. Um, but we also recognize, at least this is my personal picture, that, um, it, I mean, uh, in, in studies I learned, uh, do not uh, uh, trust any statistic, we have not faked yourself, so to speak, um, um, that if you have uh, five experts, you have 10 different opinions. Um, and uh, I think the, the, the way of filtering, the way of, of condensing information is, is also something that is key. Um, and it will be key for societies, it will be key for um, individuals uh, in order to understand what is the truth and what is um, something that is the kind of wrong information or fake information. And, and we see many, um, let's say, ideas of what is the reason for Corona, etc., and all these secret stories about whatever. So I think, and, and human beings have a tendency in order to believe in this, and I, I think it's important to make sure that people get a kind of technology help to filter. Um, but it's also technology in the sense of production, etc., etc. What else is different? in terms of future is the, the risk analysis or risk management towards topics with low probabilities because i mean we, we for for years i'm not sure how, how old the movie is but it's, i think it's quite some time old the this movie outbreak which described a certain similar situation to our corona situation we are in at the moment based on on a hollywood movie and um, even Bill Gates uh, have um, some years ago uh, described the, the impact of a pandemic in a, in a very academic sense, um, but nothing has happened. I, I think here the, the understanding of, of those unforeseeable, this VUCA topics, um, this will be a different one in future. And, uh, and I hope that um, human beings with a tendency to forget about the bad things after a while will, do, will take the right lessons learned out of the current circumstances. All right. Thank you very much, Dirk. Uh, it was very interesting to talk to you and thanks for being on the show. Thanks. Um, looking forward to stay in touch and uh, for anybody listening to us, feel free to contact me. Yeah, definitely. You can uh, hit Dirk up on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes.